This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. Monique Valcour is an executive coach with expertise in careers, work-life integration, human resource management, and practices that support well-being and performance in organizations. She holds a doctorate from Cornell University in organizational behavior and a master's in education from Harvard University. Formerly, she was a professor of management at EDHEC, or HSA, Business School in Nice, France. And she also served on the faculty of the Carroll School of Management at Boston College. In this episode, I talk with my friend and colleague from across the pond, Monique Valcour, about the importance of continual learning outside of school outside of the classroom, out in the world, to build and maintain a sustainable career. We explore how your own life is a laboratory, and you need to reflect on what's working and what's not, and make adjustments. We discuss the importance of capitalizing on small wins to create a cycle of continued development and growth. And we emphasize that the foundation, again, it's you. So you need to do the work of understanding yourself, your strengths, your values, what's unique about you. The good news, anyone can do this at any life or career stage. Well, I hope you like the Work and Life podcast. And if you do, please rate it, review it, tell your friends about it. So others then are more likely to find and enjoy it as well. Without further ado, please get set to listen to and learn from a master coach. It's Monique Valcour. Welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us this evening. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So uh, let's let's turn to the work that you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and, and in particular... The, the research that you've been doing on uh, crafting, uh, tell us what that's about, uh, crafting sustainable c- careers. How did you get into that, and what are some of the big ideas that have come from the work that you've done mm-hmm. in that field? Mm-hmm. Well, I've been studying careers uh, since the late 1990s when I was a graduate student, and I was fortunate to be uh, sponsored by a research institute that looked at both careers and work family. So these two streams have been together in my mind for a long time, and I've long been interested both in terms of what people can do to have the careers that they want, and what sorts of management practices support that. Um, So the basic idea about crafting sustainable careers is is it starts from a foundation of real deep self-awareness. People really need to be able to understand, what am I good at? Uh, What do I really care about? How do I keep myself learning and growing? Um, How do I set out a pathway where I can follow my passion yet still be able to do something that somebody's willing to pay money for. 
uh, which is a critical a critical point. A lot of uh, career people talk about the importance of really having passion. But if your passion leads you to an area where there's no market opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, you it's not truly sustainable. And being able to have work life fit over the life course. Um, and as you know yourself, anybody who thinks about work life fit as something for working mothers. Uh, to take care of their kids, that's just a very small slice of that pie. So, um, you know, I've worked with people who wanted to craft their jobs in such a way to give them time to write a novel or time to train for a triathlon or a time to uh, practice music at a high level. So there's lots and lots of different ways in which people want to fit together the multiple domains of their lives. Yes, indeed. And uh, that's... That's very much the kind of work that that we've been doing uh, with Total Leadership, which Mm -hmm. asks people to look at what matters to you, what matters to the people around you, and then experiment in small ways that enable you to better align what you care about with what Mm -hmm. you do in a way that works for all the different parts of your life, Mm -hmm. including, of course, your work uh, and how that creates economic value for you and the people Mm -hmm. who depend on you, but also your family, your community, yourself. So how do you help people to, to do that, to find out? Uh, let's let's stay with this mm-hmm. core question of knowing yourself and mm-hmm. knowing what you're good at, knowing what you care about, uh, continuing to grow mm-hmm. and um, to pursue you know that which really matters to you. How do you help people to to get to that deeper level of awareness that enables them to have the insight and then the courage to move on that? Right. This is really critical to being able to take action steps. And I particularly want to make sure if there are any young people, any millennials listening, Mm -hmm. uh, that they understand the importance of being proactive. So I really recommend that people are um, develop a practice of reflection and of tracking their own activity and their reactions to it. So I think that everybody needs to be a social scientist to a certain extent and that they should study scientifically their own experience. So one way to do this uh, on a very practical basis is to do a quick end of the week review, for example, of what were the most important things you accomplished, what kind of feedback did you get, uh, what were the moments at which you felt most engaged, um, what are your goals for the upcoming week. So I recommend to all of my executive students, for example, that they keep a little file, and it can be a very simple thing. You know, they can just have an email folder where they throw a copy of any kind of positive feedback or mentions that they got. Um, that they keep track themselves of what they've done and what of that has been most high impact. Think about the fact that many people have to write, for example, uh, a self-performance appraisal Mm -hmm. annually. Sure. And it's very difficult to really remember at that point in time. It tends to be a very labor-intensive process. Nobody likes to do it. Yet if you have been spending the entire year just keeping a Word document or something with little notes about... uh, things that you've done, feedback you've received, maybe press mentions you've had, Mm -hmm. uh, interesting ideas you've had, conversations, people you've connected with that you can learn from, all of those types of little threads, that becomes important data that you use to understand yourself, to uh, find out what sorts of opportunities may exist for you, to craft pathways, uh, to develop your network, for example, in certain ways that will lead you help to open pathways where you want to go. So it starts with doing some tracking, mm-hmm. just identifying events and their consequences in your life and doing that on a regular enough basis so that you can start to see patterns and to draw inferences about what those patterns mean and what, right. it, what it might lead to. Right. Um, and is that something that people, in your experience, do 
easily or they need to be reminded regularly about that? And does it help uh, for them to certainly in a classroom? I mean, my, my experience with activities of this sort is that in the context of a class where you have, you know, professor and others reminding you, you got to do this. It's part of your grade. Uh, you've got peers who are doing the same thing and we're going to keep you accountable and provide support. But without that kind of structure, um, what are the, some of the keys in terms of what you've observed in your research, your, repracti- your practice for how to maintain that kind of discipline? Because it really does require stepping out of the moment and reflecting and you know, taking notes. I mean, that's, that's an investment of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what is it that makes it easy for people to do that kind of disciplined reflection? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that we have been learning from research, uh, like Teresa Amabile's wonder- wonderful research at Harvard, is that it's very powerful to have the experience of make, uh, making progress at things that are meaningful to you. And so a lot of goal, um, goal-oriented uh, programs to keep you motivated and so forth really focus on noting your progress. And so you can give yourself a boost on a daily basis simply by taking the time to observe something that something positive that you've done, mm-hmm. something that moves you towards a goal or moves so, you towards... Uh, you know, an envisioned self or an envisioned future. And so just to identify mm, where you have moved mm -hmm. and Teresa is going to be on the show uh, sometime later this year to talk about the progress Mm -hmm. principle, her wonderful book on this topic. So just uh, being able to see where you have moved is a source of what, 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 what impact does that, does that have to inspire, give you confidence, help you to understand what you're good at? Mm -hmm. What, what are some of the benefits of simply identifying progress? What comes out of that is a sense of satisfaction, a sense of success, and a sense of motivation because it's a, a small incremental boost uh, that helps to to build your own energy resources. When it's something that's meaningful, something that you care about, you have that sense of alignment uh, that you are engaged in high-value activity, high-value work, um, and you have the sense. Many people, I think, when they think about their careers – they may have an idea of where they'd like to go, but they have no idea how to get there, mm. or they feel like they have to have everything figured out before they can take any steps. What is it that people struggle with, and, and what have you learned about how you can overcome those struggles to do work that is truly meaningful and engaging? Mm-hmm. Um, what people tend to struggle with most, I would say, is often being overloaded with a ton of work that they feel like they can't get out from underneath, and they don't feel mm. that they have time just to... too much. There's just too much going on. Uh, they're, you know, they might be doing one and a half jobs. They don't know how they can get any training. Um, and there's, you know, they just, they're running flat out just to try and continue doing the job that's not fulfilling them. So that is... But it's paying the rent and feeding right, the kids. Right. So there's just no room in their lives to try something new. That's what I hear an awful lot. Yeah. Right. So how do you help those people? I... Uh, remind them, well, they probably don't know. So I tell them that most of your career growth and learning happens through your on-the-job experiences. People tend to think, oh, I need to go back and get an executive MBA or I need to get not my a boss thing. to approve. Absolutely not. Let's not, let's not denigrate I'm executive not, MBA no, programs. certainly not. Since we both love them. Absolutely. But, uh, but that, so that's one option, but it's not the only path. Exactly. So there's an awful lot of learning that's available to you by thinking about how do I refocus even slightly uh, what I'm doing at work to make sure that I'm having that I'm that I am taking on perhaps a slightly larger project that I'm learning about what's happening elsewhere in my company 
that I am paying attention to who are the people who really energize me and how can I work perhaps a bit more closely with them. Mm. So it's the sense of... So it's projects and people. Absolutely. That are in your midst, right in front of you perhaps. Oftentimes, yes. That you're overlooking as opportunities for inspiration and growth. Right, right. So... So, so how do you do that? You, you just pay attention or just think about, well, who, who around me might actually be someone who I can find a way to connect with and work with in ways that I haven't before? I mean, what, what's the first step? Well, you know what? So many of us are so overwhelmed with work that we are like uh, little meerkats with our heads down in the holes, just digging away. And you need to get your head up out of the hole and look around. And you owe it to yourself. Nobody mm. else in the world cares as much about your career as you do. So it's really critical. My parents kind of do, but not really. Not as yeah, much as Yeah, but they're I not going to give you that promotion that you need, Stu. And they're not going to give you the next opportunity. They're going to tell me how wonderful I am. Exactly. I know. And you're still <laughs> going to be doing the same job. And they're still going to love you. So yeah. that's already taken care of. But that may not help my career. Precisely. In the way that we're talking about Precisely. here. So, exactly. So you got to get your head up out of the hole in the ground and do what? Find out, make sure you know what's going on in your company. It's really critical to understand what's the direction that your company is headed in. I'll give you an example. Recently, I had a coaching session with someone who's working in a high-tech firm, and she's very, very comfortable doing the work that she is doing and has been doing for many years. But it's an area that is sort of shrinking. It's not the high growth. It's, as she said, it's this is not the future of where a company is headed. And she said, I feel like I'm on an island and there's a sniper on the loose somewhere and I've got a target on me and eventually my number's going to come up. And I can't tell you how frequently I hear that same type of metaphor from mm. people, the notion that they're just waiting to be picked off or that they have this very tenuous sense of, mm. you know, they could be gone at any time. How frightening. Exactly. It's pretty stressful. Of course. On top of a heavy workload and trying to balance your work and life. So um, it's uh, one good thing to do. So one of the things I recommended to her was since she has been in the company for a long time, she mm -hmm. knows a lot of people just to make sure that maybe once a week she's having lunch with somebody who's not right in her immediate work. That's group. a good idea and simple to do. Exactly. Or that she's using LinkedIn to understand what other people's, uh, you know, developing experiences are. She's got a company intranet that she can uh, post questions on, post articles and have her spread her own reputational capital as somebody mm -hmm. that has a variety of skills and she can connect with other people who are doing interesting things. It doesn't take that much. We've got Brian calling from Montana. Brian, welcome to Work and Life. How can we help you? Uh, yes, thanks for taking the call. I, I'm in a situation right now where I enjoy my work. I've got my own business, but I work an awful lot and um, at the end of the day, the yield isn't where I want it to be, and so uh, I want to move towards um, doing less mm -hmm. uh, events and that yield better income. When you say less events, can you tell us what it is that you do? I produce uh, music, food, and uh, beverage events. Music, food, and beverage events. Catering? Right. Like, no, no, uh, public events. Okay. Public events. Okay. Fascinating. So you want to be doing less of that? Is that what you're saying? I, I want to be doing fewer that yields greater income. Ah. And, and what I'm finding is I'm so wrapped up in mm. my current track that, you know, transitioning to like a, 
that future track where it's fewer events that yield I see. Income. So this is just what you were talking about, Monique, that he feels overwhelmed with what he's doing now. Hang on, Brian. Uh, and let me ask uh, Monique, what what would you like to know more about from Brian that, that might enable you to give him some helpful advice? Brian, do you have any mentors at all? No, I do not. That would probably be really helpful if you can identify. I don't know if in your area there is any sort of a professional community of people, if you know other people who do the same type of work that you do, if there's anybody that you can shadow maybe a little bit, find out what it is that they're doing, uh, or maybe somebody who's not right in your local area, so somebody who's not a direct competitor. I don't know if there's perhaps a professional association or some professional publications that address uh, the work that you do, but I'm sure that there are ways that you could um, gain some inspiration and connect to people who have, uh, you know, maybe some innovative ways, maybe have managed to scale their business in the way that you would like to, uh, who would be happy to give you just a little bit of time to talk to. Um, if you could identify a couple of those people and reach out professionally, maybe through LinkedIn, or if you have any sort of industry events that you ever go to, um, people tend to be pretty open when they're approached by somebody who is genuinely mm. appreciative of the the knowledge and the expertise that they have and wants to learn about how it is they got to where they are. Hmm. What do you think, Brian? Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Tell us a little bit more about why connecting with mentors or just with others who do the work that you do, why that's so important. Essentially, you want your social network to reflect not where you've been, but where you are headed. Hmm. So one thing that we always recommend for students, MBA students and undergraduates, Mm -hmm. is to do informational interviews. Mm -hmm. Many people who are mid-career don't even think of that as a a tool to help them advance their career. But it is. It's a very, very powerful tool. And thanks to social media, using networks like LinkedIn, which I'm a huge fan of, it's actually pretty easy to identify people who are... um, you know, very clear about what it is they're doing and who want to share their expertise. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are all these LinkedIn groups. Um, There are lots of blogs that target particular industries and so forth. And so it's becoming easier and easier to find people who have knowledge that they want to share and who are interested in connecting with people. One of the keys uh, to asking effectively, you know, to connect with people who you don't otherwise know is to not ask for too much. Right. Because if you do, they're just not going to respond. Absolutely. Uh, so your ask has to be uh, digestible enough so that it can be managed and responded to. For sure. Uh, and it should uh, immediately reference what it is that you do have in common. It shouldn't come out of the blue and it shouldn't be just an ask for somebody to do something for you without any sense of how you connect or what would why the person would mm-hmm. want to engage in that particular activity. It's got to be something in it for them. Yeah, right, exactly. That, that they're going to get a new colleague, a new source of insight, new information, new leads, perhaps. Who right, knows? Right. So um, people who are entrepreneurs who run their own small businesses are often uh, a lot more effective when they have a network of people who provide uh, complementary services or who have knowledge that helps them to expand a little bit uh, what they can reach in their market or what types of services they can provide. So to be active in a type of network that has some uh, collaborative properties and that offers complementarity is is a powerful way to build relationships through which you can help people and you can also receive help. 
So looking for adjacencies or the people who you already interact with, like in Brian's case, putting together music festivals uh, and food festivals, there are probably a lot of people who uh, have experience in related fields that would be useful for him to be talking to about the kinds of questions he was raising here. Mm -hmm. For Uh, sure. So um, what else is it that people ought to be doing? So looking for projects, looking for people... Uh, that are right in front of them. Are there other examples of uh, ways to think about how to make small changes that enable you to learn more, enrich your network, get new information about what's possible in your current environment without having to do too much extra effort? You know, once you do, pick your head up out of the sand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one thing is to try and develop. It's important to think about what is it that you have that is really unique and valuable. And one way you can develop that is by being very curious, perhaps being a curator of knowledge. So you had somebody here who was a network specialist. One of the things that we know about social networks is the most powerful place to be in a network is to be a person who connects to mm-hmm. disconnected networks. A so linchpin. A, a filling a, a structural hole a, is what it's technically called. Yes, but yes, also a, a linchpin. Right, exactly. Exactly. An integrator, a connector, exactly. a matcher. Yes, these for are all sure. terms that mean the same thing. Bringing people together who don't know each other to create value for both of them increases your value because you then induce reciprocity from both those parties and your reputation goes up and it just keeps accumulating. Right. So, Or ahead. being able to curate knowledge uh, that is not immediately available to other people. And this mm-hmm. is, if you are simply a curious person and you like to read a bit, uh, in your area and perhaps a bit beyond, you can build a reputation and a firm by being a person that people go to for answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a information is one of the classic sources of power and of reputation. So if you're a person who is good with, for example, uh, making, c- com, you know, uh, synthesizing information and making it readily available to people who mm-hmm. need it, that is a wonderful skill. Uh, or if you can find who those people are and connect to them, that's a great way to get a lot of information. So in Brian's case, our listener, mm-hmm. can you can you think of how that might play out for him? Because he's in a really idiosyncratic kind of field right. that, that we probably don't know that much about. I certainly don't. Um, where might the, be there opportunities for him to synthesize information, make it available to other people, uh, in ways that helps him to become more connected, more knowledgeable, mm-hmm. and, and perhaps smarter about how to you know, scale uh, right. to, to doing events that you know, bring him more value and take less of his time. Right. Well, without knowing his particular industry in any depth and therefore running the risk of saying something slightly idiotic, I'll just speak in some generalities. I do it um, all the time. Don't worry well, about that. Well, that's okay. Monica. Yeah, <laughs> right. There we go. We're professors, so we can get away with that, right? Mm, sometimes. Um, So, uh, you know, you mentioned the notion of adjacency, for example, if he's been working on events that are music and and Mm -hmm. food, et cetera, you know, maybe he might want to think a little bit about what other types of activities are organized in a a similar way, but are perhaps outside of the norm. So there may be a way for Mm -hmm. him to connect to a different type of event planning, or perhaps there's some sort of service that he is used to providing that he knows well how to do that's common in event planning, but that he might be able to, to p- deploy and offer a service that people would pay for in a different type of so context. Using what he already knows uh, and you know, bringing that to other people who might benefit from it. So what do you want to leave our listeners with in terms of what's most important advice that, that, uh, that you think is, is going to be uh, essential? You're just addressing a piece of it. 
uh, especially for young people just starting out? I would say talk to as many people as you can, read, listen, learn, but ultimately the most important voice to listen to is your own. You've got to have a sense of what it is that fuels you and what really resonates for you. So I think that that is um, an important thing. I think a lot of young people get so much advice heaped on them and they just don't know where to turn and they it drowns out their own inner voice. Yes, and so listening to that inner voice and finding the time to do that is so, so important. Monique, thank you so much for joining me in this hour, which has just flown by for me. You've offered our listeners uh, a lot of really useful things to think about and to act on. Um, how can people find out more about you and your work, Monique Valcor? Well, I'm very present on social media. They are more than welcome to follow me at on Twitter at Monique Valcor, all one word. Uh, they can follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, again, just look for my name, Monique Valcor. I do have a professional Facebook page, which is Dr. Monique Valcor. Uh, I blog at Harvard Business Review. They can find me there. So I'm very easy to find on the internet. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Monique Valcor, for joining us tonight. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Master Executive Coach Monique Valcour and that you found it to be provocative and useful. So now let me offer you a challenge, an invitation. Why not try doing one of the practices Monique recommends? A weekly review. Shouldn't be that difficult to try this. Look at what you've accomplished, what feedback you've gotten, when you were most engaged, really important, and then what your goals are for the next week. You might also try keeping a file that includes the positive feedback that you've gotten when you've had the most impact. Trying any one of these actions might just be the thing you need to, to spur your growth toward a more sustainable career for you. Well, if you try any of these things, let me know what you discover. I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me directly, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or find me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 132, Wharton Business Radio. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern. For more about this episode's guest and about previous guests, visit workandlifepodcast.com. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership. Be a better leader, have a richer life. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe, rate it on iTunes, and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.